Frank's Red Hot is the perfect blend of flavor and heat. So you can use an entire bottle to make recipes like buffalo chicken dip or buffalo nachos. Or even things that don't start with buffalo. Frank's Red Hot. I put that on everything. Hey, Craig! Hey, Jeff. Hello. It feels like it's been forever because we skipped a week. <laughs> well, and it kind of it kind of has been forever because like I was I was out of town and then you were out of town and we actually haven't talked that much over the last week, which is yeah unusual. Yeah, it's the holidays, man. We had to talk yeah. to the talk to the people we, in some ways, were forced to be with. <laughs> It's, it's like, yeah, like, uh, you know, oh, yeah, I have to, I have to, I can't talk with my buddy because I got to talk to my, my children and my wife and, you know, people like my that. in-laws Cause, or my future cause in-laws. It's Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. You guys went over the mountains and made it safely back, even in the midst of a uh, snowpocalypse over here. Yeah. And. It's just this is such a rarity for the west side of Washington in that the snow just sticks around because it doesn't get warm enough. Usually we get like one day and then it all melts and gets rained away. And but no, we're just stuck with it, man. And it's coming. More is coming. Yeah, I was walking through the Safeway parking lot with my kids yesterday, and it was hilarious because they were like tromping around in in the slush. Right, the, these parking lots that didn't get. Um, that didn't get plowed. They're like tromping around in the slush and they're like, dad, the snow's kind of gross. And I'm like, yeah, that's what it looks like when it sticks around for three days or four days and it gets all the dirt mixed in with it. It turns out, you know, super nasty and gets all ugly. And normally we don't get the, get the joy of dirty, nasty slush, but you know, here we are. I guess the good thing is it's all going to, I guess, get covered up by more new snow tonight. So. Yay. Yay. And you've got a sidewalk to shovel. Mm. Yeah, I'm literally the only one in my in a like five block radius that shoveled a sidewalk in front of my house. Well, come on, you people! Are, you, you are a wise man, though, because you are liable for that sidewalk. So, yep, it's very smart. But I will say, my my one neighbor they uh, helped me out. We were chipping ice in the back alley that everyone kind of a lot of people on our street drive and park on and stuff. And he uh, had this ingenious tool, a carpet scraper. And that really was uh, very helpful in in clearing out uh, some of the ice from the, the compact snow. Uh, So that was, that that was nice. Yeah. And so uh, that was after, as soon as I got back from visiting family on Monday, that's, that's what I did for a couple hours is chip ice mostly. (laughs) Cause when you, when you just leave the snow be for a couple of days, that's that's what it turns into. Yeah, um, yeah. So 
so yeah and then after that little like two like maybe half an inch we got last a couple nights whatever was the last night everything's back to ice again so yay um but yeah this isn't this isn't uh snow talk uh this is podcast <laughs> versus everyone episode I mean, one could be snow talk i'm craig powers with me as always is jeff nooser who doesn't have a sidewalk yes. in front of his house no um but I, I don't even know how you would... I don't know, even know if you bother shoveling that driveway. That would just be... I mean, no, not the a, driveway. A, a bobcat or no. something. <laughs> no, it's... I mean, the driveway is uh, it's gravel. So, um, you know, no reason to no reason to shovel that. And, and we've got... So our, our two vehicles, we've got our Subaru Outback, which is what we drive when, when the snow shows up. Because it is all-wheel drive and it is glorious. It is like... It drives like an absolute dream in the snow which is lovely the tahoe is uh is four-wheel drive so we can drive that but but the the outback like even with like inches of snow in the driveway i can just zoop 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 turn around and get out the driveway so yeah works out great works out great so no Excellent. no shoveling no Does shoveling it, for me or would you say it works out great <laughs> i see what you did there craig i see what you did there Hey, it's all about the segues, and on that note, there will probably, maybe, there's still a day for it to screw yeah. up. Yeah, but by the time you listen to this podcast, it might all be screwed up. Who knows? The Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, which was all but dead for a 24-hour span. Back from the dead. Resurrected. Uh, by very fortuitous circumstances. First of all, fuck you, Miami. Can I just yeah, say that? Absolutely. Back out of the bowl game a week and a half ago, man. Come yeah. on. Like, ah. Has, we, we has all any knew program, what was going to happen. I know. Has any program ever had, uh-oh, there's some COVID popping up, and then like four days later, it's like, nah, they're going to be fine. Like, has that literally ever happened? In the last like year and a half, as soon as it pops up, they're like, you know, they've got they've got some COVID going on. Like, you know where it's going to end up. It's always going to end up there. And the fact that they waited, you know, fucking five days to say, well, actually, we can't come now. Like, just like, ugh, just so annoying. But anyway, they it worked out. It worked out. But yeah, you know, WSU was left calling every team they could, every five and seven team, according to Brett yeah. McMurphy. Um, Colin Deaver down there in El Paso was doing some excellent reporting on their struggles with this, and then, and then lo and behold, Boise State, who was playing Central Michigan in the Arizona Bowl in Tucson, just a four-hour drive away, uh, happens to also suddenly crop up some with some. Uh, COVID issues, but luckily it didn't take them long to back out of that game. Obviously it was closer, so they probably have more pressure to do so. And then uh, it turns out one central Michigan that they just seemed like a perfect, like a perfect pairing then, you know, that two schools that are already in the same area that, that need a bowl pairing. And for central Michigan, absolute no-brainer you're going from a garbage bowl arizona bowl three hundred seventy-five thousand dollar payout run by a garbage company barstool and that and and just going to be streamed on youtube 
to now you you have a chance to be in a bowl game with a four and a half million dollar payout and a and a broadcast on network television at a time when there's going to be nothing else to watch <laughs> like uh so it it absolute no brainer for central michigan uh to come to to be able to come down to el paso and play and, and i saw someone mention that i was thinking this too uh, outside of when MAC teams have qualified for the BC, or you know, qualified for the New Year's Six Bowls or the BCS Bowls, this is probably the best bowl game a MAC team has ever been in. Outside of when they've been able to sneak into those, so this yeah, is one that, of the more, that could be true. So this is probably like a, a, a nice upgrade for them a, a, in terms of you know, I, I'm sure a lot, it'll be a lot easier for a lot of their fans to watch the game now. It's on CBS, like. You can get CBS on an antenna in most places, so uh, so I'm really glad that they were able to work it out. Um, obviously, had to Arizona Bowl had to release them, but what were they? Get? I think once WSU was made it pretty clear um, to Mr. Portnoy, Portnoy that they weren't going to play in his bowl game, um, then uh, they they could uh, make they pretty much had to release Central Michigan at that point. You know, um, and uh, or otherwise you burn your bowl game bridge forever, probably. Yeah. <laughs> no team's going to want to play for you. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it was um, super fortuitous circumstances. And as as they've discussed, it, as Chun has mentioned, um, it was going to be Central Michigan, or it was not going to happen. Yeah, there was. It's funny, you know. There was a zero percent chance, zero percent chance that WSU was gonna, you know, go up to Arizona to play in the Arizona Bowl, and you know, the Arizona Bowl, you know, surely had to know that. So <clears throat> it was, uh, you know, then it was just a matter of the Arizona Bowl. I don't know, probably figuring out if they could get just a tiny little financial kickback, maybe <laughs> to to let uh, you know Central Michigan out of their um, out of their bowl obligation. So it all worked out. I mean, it's, you know, I, I saw a lot of people, you know, praising the sun bowl for their tireless, you know, work to, to make sure that the game <laughs> went off. And I, I will not be giving the sun bowl association quite that much credit. Um, yes, I I'm thankful that they did the work necessary to secure, um, central Michigan. That, that part is great. Uh, but the fact that, you know, we got to that point and Central Michigan kind of fell into their lap, like if if Boise State had not developed a COVID situation, we would have not been we would not be playing like that's it. Yeah. And it, it was just so lucky that like they were already in Tucson. Their equipment truck was already in Tucson and yep. they were going to play a bowl game on the exact same day. Yep. <laughs> it's like that's it totally fortuitous and it obviously worked out okay because otherwise you know they were up until the last up until miami canceled they were like well we want miami and we have miami i i didn't even understand this they were like we have miami fans in el paso people who follow miami and i'm like really like like you do i anyway so apparently that's uh that's a thing i guess in in el paso and, miami had a uh, national brand like 20 years ago you could have you know yeah. maybe some holdovers from that maybe i i don't know man i i have no idea all i know is that um they did not do um you know they did not do they did not work very hard to ensure that there would be a game 
um, given that they let Miami hold on for that long and didn't make Miami make a decision a little bit earlier. Um, they clearly didn't have any backup plans whatsoever uh, for how to deal with that. So, um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, whatever. I'm glad it worked out okay. I'm not, I'm not going to harp on it too much. I'm glad it worked out okay, but I'm also not going to. I'm also not going to bend over backwards to to try and give credit to uh, to the association that, you know, frankly, did not do a great job up until Central Michigan fell into their lap. And then, you know, they figured out how to make that happen. So that's great. And I'm excited to watch the game, provided we can get through the next, you know, 48 hours without any positive COVID tests. Yep, because as we've seen, these games can be canceled on the morning of as in the holiday bowl. Uh, although the Holiday Bowl didn't say it was canceled at first. They said they were going to try to find a replacement, and then they gave up on that pretty quickly um, when, yeah. once UCLA pulled out. Uh, so, yeah, this it, it's super fortunate because once Miami pulled out, there was five days before the game, and you're like, yeah. this ain't happening. No. This no, is not no going to happen. So, hey, nope. cool. You know, I, I, and so now uh, we got Central Michigan, who, funny enough, uh wsu at one point in 2015 scheduled a home and home uh with central michigan and the wsu end of it would have been in 2021 uh of course that series was canceled in 2016 but but so w central michigan at one point was going to play in pullman in 2021 so these two teams this is just fate this is just was meant to happen so please just hopefully everyone has been tested and and we're not going <laughs> to yeah. test asymptomatic people, <laughs> whatever no. you know. Like, come on, let, let's let's just uh, let's 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 get let's get there. Nine a.m. Well, uh, what eleven a.m. local time? Yeah. On uh, yeah. on 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 Friday. So let's do it, please. I would love to watch a one more WSU football game this year. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually reasonably interested in watching us against Central Michigan, and and I don't know how many other people. Um, we're sort of underwhelmed by the idea of playing Miami again. Uh, but I was not because, yeah. you know, I, I think just, you know, for various reasons, one is, you know, we just, we played them. I mean, I understand it was six years ago, so, you know, whatever, but, um, but we did play them in the recent past. And then, you know, the reality is, I mean, you're dealing with a team that, um, you know, is undergoing a coaching change, you know, opt out. Just like whatever. they were in like 2015. <laughs> exactly. And, and I, and I remember that game was you know incredibly uninspired from Miami's point of view and um you know and then of course we had to spend the entire broadcast listening to them talk about Mark Richt uh, while we were you know winning the ball game um you know they like went through an entire WSU drive interviewing Mark Richt you know on on the telephone um and so it just the whole thing just felt just kind of bizarrely. And they definitely would have done that with Mario Cristobal. They as well. definitely would have done that again. So, you know, Central Michigan at least gives us, you know, a little bit of a, um, you know, just kind of a nice wrinkle. Part of it is what you already said that, um, you know, the Mac typically doesn't get to play in games like this. And, you know, for us, I think, I think it's kind of an interesting matchup. It's a team we haven't seen them play. Um, I, you know, I imagine there's probably some of our fans that, um, you know, they don't like it when we play teams. I, this was sort of what was going around when um, the Los Angeles, you know, the Los Angeles Bowl was still theoretically in play. And, you know, we might have been playing, you know, whoever it was, San Diego State or whatever. Um, and it's like, well, you know, it's just it's, it's, there's no upside to that. It's all downside. And, and I'm just like, for me, you know, I, I just look at bowl games and just go you know, whatever. I mean, there's, they're weird. They are exhibitions. They are, you can't take anything from them. I mean, 
you know, we'll get into this, but you know, WCU is without 60% of its offensive line and it's top two running backs. So, you know, how much are you going to read into it anyway? I'm just looking forward to enjoying one more football game. And yeah. it, you know, I'm not going to read anything into it. However, it turns out is how it turns out. It's probably why, you know, I don't have the, um, you know, that maybe the trauma of the New Mexico bowl back in 2013. Cause I'm just like, it's just, you know, it was a bowl game and it was weird and stupid stuff happened at the end. And, you know, it just, it's just not a thing that sticks with me. I'm just, like I said, thankful to watch them play again and uh, whatever happens happens. And, you know, as long as the game's interesting and entertaining, then, then I'm okay. And I think, I think this game has a lot of potential to be that. Yeah. And uh, Central Michigan's a solid team, uh, good offense. Uh, they ran through their last four opponents uh, pretty easily. Um, now, that is in the MAC, but, um, you know, they lost to Missouri at LSU in the non conference uh, and then won most of their MAC games. Um, and, yeah, so it's, it, I, I'm also excited that it, it is a team with kind of a bad defense and a good offense. Because it's fun when these games are exciting, when there's points scored and and yes. and all that, and and this has always been like this is where WSU matches up better ever you know for years and years is uh, a strength on strength you know a strength on weakness type situation and a, <laughs> and the other way around versus a strength on strength I mean um, so yeah we we want the we want to play a team that is kind of stylistically similar to us in that way. Now they're not necessarily necessarily stylistically uh, similar to us in kind of uh, how they you know how they approach that offense because they're actually a, uh, a fairly run heavy team. Um, of course, WSU could be in this game as well. Who knows? Um, although with the depletion, depleted running backs, and let's let's. Um, and we'll talk about that in a sec. But so we'll talk about Central Michigan first, but then we'll talk about our situation and how this game is going to be literally impossible to predict. But we'll just for shits and giggles do it anyway. Um, uh, so uh, cause did you did you think I was going to make not let you get off and not not uh, predict this, Jeff? Oh no, you're, you're oh, no, no. I I figured we would, but it's like we're just going to be we're just going to be guessing on something insanely stupid like yes. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm 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 gonna I'm writing up my preview like maybe starting tonight, publishing you know sometime tomorrow. I've done yeah. very little research. It's it, yeah, it's when I before I write my preview, I know almost nothing about these teams. After I write my preview, I know a lot about these teams. I have not written the preview yet, um, but I will say just looking at their kind of peripherals, uh, they they are uh, a very run heavy team, um, and. You know, especially, you know, not necessarily like 60% or anything, but they definitely ran the ball over 50%, which is still pretty weird in, in this time. Yep. Um, um, yep. Interesting enough, so did their opponents. So maybe the Mac is just like this ground and pound league. I don't know. Um, doesn't seem like it, but uh, on the Tuesdays when I, when I watch them. But, uh, but yeah, so um, but they have a real good running back. Uh, a real, He's real a freshman, a freshman. I, I know you, um, you mentioned some, you were talking about him. So, um, just talk about insane, uh, how insane his numbers are. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's rushed for, well, okay. Altogether. He's over 2000 scrimmage yards, uh, 1700 rushing yards and 300 receiving yards. Uh, so that's, that's a lot. 
<laughs> That's a lot. Uh, not only that, but he carries the ball 26 times a game, which is uh, you just don't see that anymore pretty much anywhere. Uh, high school, co- I shouldn't say high school, college and NFL. Like you just don't see guys with that kind of volume um, out of the backfield. So um, to have a guy be that kind of a workhorse and also be as productive as he is, uh, I don't know, averaging uh, 150 yards a game or whatever it is. Um, yeah, you just don't see guys like that uh, anymore in, in college football, the NFL. So uh, he is, he's kind of an interesting, unique and, and special kind of guy. Um, and, you know, he's, he, what's sort of crazy about it too is that he's so young. You know, he's, he was a true freshman last year. Um, he is no, actually, a, he was a true freshman in 2019. Was he? Okay. My yeah. bad. Yeah. He okay. did the, he did the four game red shirt in 2019. Oh, okay. So, so last year was his red shirt freshman. This is his COVID freshman, red shirt freshman super, year. super freshman, season. super freshman year. Um, so yeah. Okay. So that makes a little more sense for him being, you know, for being the third year in the program. Cause, um, you typically don't see, you know, really young guys in the Mac, um, you know, it, it, where you're getting guys who need to develop, right. Typically don't see young guys come on the scene, um, quite that way. So that, yeah. that makes a little more and he sense. He was like, you know, I don't, I don't know what Mac, yeah, I, I would say, I would guess he's a probably solid recruit for the Mac. He was a mid, like a mid range three star, mid to high yeah. three star. So that's, I yep. would guess that's a pretty good pickup for a skill position in the Mac. So, um, yep. and they obviously had plans for him, you know, they, yep. They they used him quite a bit. He got seventy eight carries in six games last year, and then he gets three hundred and eleven carries yeah. this year. You just don't see that anymore. That's so crazy. I mean, he is um, as I'm looking at college football data. Uh, he was used on over one third of all of their plays, <laughs> which is like absolutely bonkers. Standard downs forty five percent. Ball, ball ends up in his hands 45% of the time on standard downs, um, which is just absolutely, just absolutely nuts. Um, so yeah. And, and that's, by the way, that's more than his 37% is more than anybody else on the team, including the quarterback, including so, the quarterback. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's it's yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy pants, man. Absolutely nuts. Yeah. So and, Lou Nichols. In, in fairness, in fairness, they, they, uh, they they played two different quarterbacks, so <laughs> I think maybe that is true. That is true. Um, but, but, but still, still if, you add up, if you add up Sermon and Richardson, they're two quarterbacks. If you add them up, they only add up to 45 percent. So just not so, much more. <laughs> not much more. Not much more. So he yeah, he alone thirty seven percent. So when you're looking at their running the ball over half the time, it's mostly him. And yep. when you look at that, that, that early down, cause that standard down number, that tells me a lot. We don't have, um, I haven't seen if, um, stats of war has tweeted out his, uh, you know, if he tweeted out a, a, his little preview for it, but I would guess they run the ball in early downs quite a bit. Um, they're one of those teams. Usually if you're a team that runs more, you run more in early down. So I would expect to see this kid, uh, on first and second down quite a bit carrying the ball. Yep. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, the offense or sorry, our defense playing its offenses that run the ball like that, um, has gotten better 
you know, as the year has mm-hmm. gone on. So, yeah. um, you know, hopefully that's a good sign. Uh, or it's a ball you know, game. I think nothing the, fucking matters. Right. Yeah, that is true, too. <laughs> uh, you know, because we don't even I mean, look, we don't even know who's going to play. Like, I mean, we only found out yesterday or today. Today, we only found out today that Dion McIntosh isn't even in El Paso. Right. Like the team's been there since Monday. Uh, as we record this on Wednesday, we just found out he's not even in El Paso. So, and we know Max right? Borgie's like, already not there. So we know Max Borg. I mean, so you know, maybe there are people on the defensive line that aren't gonna play. I mean, we just don't even know. Like we don't, we don't even know. Like, so I, I mean, we have had plenty of years where we watch bowl games where. Um, all of a sudden, some dude who hasn't played all year played really well in bowl practices, and Mike Leach, you know, throws him out there. So, I I don't know what Jake Dickert's going to do, but I, you know, it wouldn't shock me if we got to a point where you know there are guys out there. We're like, hey, who's that? You know, uh, oh, that guy played really well during bowl practices, and you know, coaches were excited about him. Uh, you know, who knows? Who knows? Uh, we you know maybe a freshman gets a run who was you know supposed to redshirt and whatever. So, I mean, it's all just guessing. We know this, we've talked about this. Like, you know, you're just, you're really just kind of throwing darts at the wall, but you know, if our run defense over the last half of the season um, is any indication, you know, it's been better. And so maybe, maybe we will be able to, um, you know, contend with this guy and contain him. I I think really the only, you know, the only one who's been able to really, uh, you know, punish us since Jake Dicker took over was really that first game against BYU. And, you know, even then we were okay until like the fourth quarter and then we just kind of mm-hmm. fell apart. So. Yeah. And so it's really, they're, they're going to have to, they're probably going to see a heavy dose of runs on first down. So that's going to be a big, uh, big opportunity. If they can hold him to, you know, three yards or less, you can set up the rest, you know, disrupt what they want to do on offense, get them into third and longs. Um, let me look. Their success rate on passing downs is middling. Uh, you know, they're not they're not saving themselves all that much like WSU does. Um, so they're just uh, – uh, if you can get them in there, if we can stop this kid, this uh, Nichols kid, early early in the, in the down – you can get off the field. That's what w, when WSU has had success. That's what they do. They make they make a big play. They they you know they get a TFL. They get a pass breakup. Something early, and then they get teams into passing downs where they can uh, send guys, create havoc, all that. So again, that's what you got to do. Um, this is a pretty solid uh, offense um, built built through uh, a, a a very good running back. Um, so really, if you know, I don't think they're gonna hold him to nothing because he's probably going to carry the ball 25 times. So he's probably going to get to 100 yards or more. But really, it's just mitigating the damage in certain scenarios, which is how this defense has survived all year. So just do it again. And, and, yeah. and that's what you got to do. So. Yeah, it's, it's that simple. Just do it again, and it'll be fine. Everything will be okay. And when, uh, when WSU has the ball, this is where it gets really, as you mentioned, Dion McIntosh is not there. And as we said, Max Borgie is not there. So I guess Nikia Watson step on up. Um, yeah. Expect him to have a, 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 a lot of opportunity in this game. Yeah. Um, Get a little then, preview of next season. And then, of course, both the tackles, uh, the longtime uh, tackles, Abe Lucas and Liam Ryan will not be playing. Um, yep. 
they're trying to get Liam down there uh, just as vocal support, I guess. So, yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, the, apparently he had surgery, um, which, you yeah. know, it seems like a guy like that who's played so many games on the line by the time he gets to the end of his college career probably has many surgeries that can be done. Um, I imagine so. That's so. not surprising. Uh, but, yeah, so he had surgery, and so... Yeah, we're getting you know look at some young guys who have not, or maybe not so young guys that have not played um, all that much. Uh, so that's going to be that's a little stressful. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, those of us who have been you know kind of thinking ah, is is you know Liam Ryan for you know God you know God love him uh, you know isn't necessarily the most uh, fleet of foot left tackle, and we've kind of been wondering like, well, you know, is is that really the best we got at left tackle? Well, we're we're about to well, find now out. We're going to find out what we're Jarrett about to Kingston, find out what Jarrett Kingston can do, yeah, and what Christian Hillborn can do, yeah, and uh, yeah. This is this is going to be a preview of of next season, right? Because I mean, uh, yeah. you know, Cade Barrisford is already transferred to Boise State, yep. so you know, our right guard is right guard's gone, right tackle's gone, left tackle's gone. So, yeah, uh, Fafita, Brian Green at left guard, yeah. and then at yep. center Connor Gomnis. Yeah. So this is going to be uh, quite a quite a thing to watch. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, with um, Green, I'm really glad Green's that, the only one who's going to graduate. So the rest of it is, you know, theoretically yeah. what we might be, what we might have next year. So yeah, and, which again, and, who knows how much you read into it? But you know, who knows? Yeah, and so that's that'll be interesting. Luckily, Jaden Delora is in El Paso. Uh, apparently, he arrived late because of the weather in Seattle. I'm guessing he was coming from hawaii from hawaii um so please don't fail a COVID test jaden because uh, <laughs> uh they're probably going to need jaden's escapability i imagine yes um and honestly given how the backfield and offensive line is depleted uh wc is going to need some specialness from jaden in this game to yeah. play well and and from from uh travel harris and calvin jackson as well so uh, I think that passing game and, and what Jaden can do with his feet uh, are going to be a big, big deal. Um, and yeah. um, I'm hoping uh, that works out because uh, if you look at, you know, Central Michigan's 96th in EPA per pass, uh, not so good. Uh, they do, they have been very effective on passing down success rate, uh, but um, which is kind of a, kind of weird to be so bad against the pass but good against passing down good on passing downs um uh, there's there's kind of a bigger set of p- data when you look at all pass plays versus just the passing down one so that's interesting um if w because wsu has been very good on passing downs relative to other teams um so that'll be the big matchup is if wsu probably inevitably gets into some third and sevens and third and tens if, if they can escape the way they've done many times this year yeah um, and move the ball you know and because that's what they did against UW uh no yep. one like you know you wouldn't have expected them to do it against UW's past defense but they did it they they escaped many third and longs over and over and over again um so we'll see and and maybe Jaden will be relying on Dijon Stribling and and uh Donovan Ollie a little bit more again like he was on those third downs uh, against UW so um again the to go back to what you were saying about the offensive line and what we're saying about Nakia Watson, like this is, 
you kind of like to see what the younger guys do in these games. Um, And Donovan Ollie and Deshaun Stribling are a couple guys that you'd like to see something from since they're going to be the top two returning guys, uh, you know, along with Renard Bell uh, next year. And maybe, maybe Travell Harris. Maybe. Maybe Travell Harris. Maybe. Maybe. Um, you know, and I can't even believe we, we've made it this far, and we have not mentioned that Central Michigan's uh, defensive coordinator is none other than Rob Akey. Oh, of course. We were just getting down on the data, Akey. baby. Rob Akey, <laughs> who is surprisingly only 55 right oh now. Oh, my God. I, you know what? Rob I'm Akey, so happy to find. The, his, his first year as defensive coordinator was, was my freshman yeah. year at WSU. Yeah. <laughs> I was so happy to find out that I was not the only one who didn't realize that because I was like, you know, Rob Akey, obviously prematurely gray, uh, I think is kind of what did it because like somebody posted a picture and was like, yeah, and the mustache, right? And the mustache is fully gray too, right? So it's like, you know, not like a sprinkling of gray, like gray, gray. And somebody posted a picture from, you know, whatever, the first year he was a coordinator or whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah, here in this picture, he's, you know, 36 or whatever. And I'm going like, holy shit, no way. Like, no way he's 36 in that picture. Poor guy. Uh, so, I'm you know, I'm thinking, okay, this, this makes a little more sense now because I'm thinking I, I thought he was, I don't know, like when he was at Wazoo, I just, I, I, I don't know. I just assumed he was like at least in his like early forties or something, you know, like I just kind of, I kind of thought that and I kind of thought, you know, okay. So he was at Idaho for, you know, a handful of years, you know, as the head coach and um, you know, and then I, he left there and he's kind of bounced around a little bit, but it's like, okay, you know, I just, I don't know. I guess I just assumed he was like, you know, 60 ish, you know, maybe in his early sixties and, you know, just kind of hanging around as a coordinator. And now I'm looking, I'm going, Jesus, he's only 55. Like, that's like, I mean, that's really young. That's, that's like, that's like, super young not super young but i mean that's like young ish like that's you know guys like uh that are 55 are still getting head coaching jobs and whatever so i don't know man that that like blew my mind just a little bit um thinking about rob Akey at, at 55 and um yeah, but it, it as by the way of my freshman year when he was coaching the defense yeah. oh yeah like totally he, he was a year older than i am right now yeah yeah <laughs> i yeah, i will say you looked younger too. than he did then so well, thank you if if that makes you feel better <laughs> and so. then of course like wsu's uh head coach is what now 39 uh yeah, which yeah. has been um fiercely highlighted by all the pictures of him with his very young kids like yes like, in all these pictures like we got a young young coach now uh it's like when dude. you get the young president in and he's got he's got like actual children as his children um yeah yeah so that's that's been uh interesting but yeah, that's it. It'll be cool to see Aki. You know, it's funny. I, I, you know, I sent that to friends I went to school with who aren't like strictly, you know, but they we always sat like right behind where he was, like on the thirty-five yard line, and 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 he just uh, he was so demonstrative all the time. Oh yeah, <laughs> like you can't. Well, that was the thing that was. everybody. That's why everybody loved him, right? Like yeah. you know, people who did. I'm, and I'm not even talking about people who knew him because uh, people who know him, you know, just will will rave about what a great guy he is. So I'm just talking about the stuff that we could see, which was him just going bonkers all the time, like you know, hitting guys on the helmet, jumping up and down, you know, jumping on guys and celebrating. Um, you know, obviously that's the kind of stuff. And very a, like even when you were in the stands that that raspy voice that that like oh yeah that, 
that achy voice. Loudest like, it, voice. like that probably made you yeah. think he was older too. Like, cause it, he yeah. had that voice that really kind of like it just raspy, like deep voice, and like, like, and you Might could have just, been it just some of that, bellowed, yeah. and you could hear it like <laughs> from, yeah. around the stadium. So it'll be yeah. it'll be fun to see. I I hope that they highlight that he so we can, I do we too. can see him freaking out over there. I hope that we don't give him too many plays to freak out about. <laughs> no, I, I will say this, that in kind of looking at their stats, um, their havoc stats are what you would expect from a Rob Akey defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of, you know, they, they create a havoc type play on about 25%, 24% of defensive plays. So that's, you know, those are sacks, interceptions, fumbles, tipped passes, things like that. Um, so no surprise there. You know, I assume they're extremely aggressive because, um, you know, he was always aggressive uh, at Wazoo. And so there's that. But then, you know, the flip side, obviously, is uh, when you look at their their explosiveness uh, in terms of their pass defense, it's quite bad. So yeah. um, so I'm I, you know, a lot of high risk, high reward type stuff for them. Um, you know, it kind of looks like they 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 sell out to some degree to, to stop the run and, and try to generate negative plays. Um, and so if we can, if we can, and I think this is where, you know, what you were talking about with Jaden's legs, um, you know, extending plays and finding, you know, soft spots. If you, if you can get past that first wave, um, you know, typically with a defense like that, there's, there's, you know, big plays to be made. So, um, yeah, so it should, you know, the, the bottom line is it it really should be fun. Um, you know, probably a good thing that Aki doesn't have, you know, two, three weeks to dial up exotic things against our inexperienced, uh, offensive line, you know, probably good. That he's only got a few days to try and try and implement some things and put some things in, in place to maybe take advantage of, you know, our, our, the fact that we're without our, you know, three quarter or three, three of our five uh, offensive linemen. So um, yeah, there's, there's probably some benefit there, but yeah, it's uh, I don't know, man, it should be, should be interesting. It should be a fun, should be a fun little chess match. Lots of just, you know, intriguing storylines. And that's one of them. Yeah, and then of course uh, their head coach is uh, Jim McElwain, who, Boo! Um, who, Boo! who who also coached Colorado State in a game Boo! that most Coug fans would care to forget. <laughs> Every Coug well, fan like here's my problem with him. Okay, like this is my thing. I don't like. <laughs> Like I've already said, I, that game did not break my heart. Like whatever, it, it, bowl games are stupid, and you know they just stuff happens. And like there was like a series of freak events that had to happen for that outcome to 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 materialize. So I don't worry about that. What I don't like about Jim McElwain is that, um, like I just have a memory of Colorado State being just like dirty as fuck in that game, like diving at people's knees and just doing all kinds of dirty shit. And then they had a they had a an assistant coach yelling, you know, homophobic slurs at people. And it's like that shit comes from the top. I'm sorry. That shit comes from the top. And so I got no respect for that guy. And I hope we beat the shit out of him just because of that, Um, because I'm like, yeah, I I, when his name started popping up with like in connection with our vacancy, I was like, no, no, nope, 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 nope want nothing to do with that guy. And he, you know, he flamed out at Florida because, you know, people see right through that shit right away when you go to a high level program. And, um, yeah, I, I would love nothing more than to just like put a pasting on that dude. Well, on that note, I have strong feelings, Craig. Let's get to our predictions. (laughs) Now that we've, we've, we've dug into the data, we've, we've explored all there needs to be explored. 
Um, we, we're, we're hoping that we're facing Rob Akey's uh, 2007 WSU defense and not his 2003 WSU defense. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, which it does look like we are more like more leaning on the side of 06, 07 than, than 03. Um, yes. but, uh, but, but yeah, so Jeff, as we haven't done this in a while, the Apple Cup was no. over a month ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, assuming that everyone gets through COVID protocols and we have the game, um, give me your first half score. So my first half score. So I'm kind of thinking uh, I'm kind of thinking this game goes gangbusters right out of the gate that we get weird right off the top. Big plays, both sides, um, you know, just sort of as the defenses are kind of trying to figure things out because they're they're facing an offense that. They're not quite ready for. Um, I, I think that's where I think that's where we're going to end up. So, I, I'm thinking the halftime score is going to be something like 24-21 WSU. Nice, wow, that'd be wild. Well, you know, the last time we played McIlwain, we scored 35 in the first half. So that is true. Um, uh, um, don't ask what the final score was, uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, we all know, know what the final score was. I, I think you don't have to worry about it. I, so what I think is Central Michigan plays an offense that WSU has more or less seen stylistically many many times. Yeah, uh, but I'm 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 kind of feeling this vibe where uh, the run and shoot in a bowl game could maybe have an effect like especially a bowl game on four days prep yeah, could maybe have an effect like, like air force does to teams in bowl games. Like, like you know, like where the, just that the option is just so annoying to deal with. Um, so there, cause they, they did not see the run and shoot all year. They, they just haven't seen it. Uh, they, right. they, cause no one else runs it, you know? So like they haven't yep. seen it. So I'm hoping that the aggressiveness that Central Michigan uh, undoubtedly utilizes, because Rob Akey is their defensive coordinator, and because we've we've seen, you know, we just look at their data and it shows that they're very aggressive. Um, you know that these option routes that everyone's running, they can exploit that. We've we've seen Calvin Jackson is very good at exploiting uh, a safety that jumps jumps the route or, or or a corner that jumps the route. So I'm hoping, like you, we can start it with some big plays. So I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of hoping we can jump on them, and I'm early, uh, and similar point total as you, you know, 21 point. I'll say 21 points in the first half. Um, our defense gives up a few, but uh, we go in 21-10 at halftime. Okay, man, I love it. All right, Jeff. Uh, so you got 24-21 at half. How do you think this thing finishes out? So I, I am trying to imagine a scenario where we win the game. So the, the line on the game is a touchdown. So WSU by a touchdown. I'm trying to imagine a scenario where WSU wins by more than a touchdown. I just I just can't do it. I can't <laughs> I can't see it. I'm I'm just like I think this is gonna be um nip and tuck down to the end. Um, I'm thinking second half, uh, maybe like play to a stalemate might even need a touchdown at the end to win it. 
Um, I'm thinking Jaden Delora coming through uh, in the last, you know, five minutes, making it. I don't know if it's going to come down right to the end or if it's going to be kind of a last ish drive, but I'm thinking Jane Delora makes has kind of an iconic moment uh, leading the team to a victory. I'm thinking the second half, each team with three touchdowns. So what does that make it? That makes it 45 to 42 WSU. Ooh, let's go. Let's fucking go. Go fucking coots. All right. Um, so, you know, I had 21-10 WSU at halftime, but I, I think Central Michigan comes back, pulls it tighter in the second half. Um, they come out and they score early. We have a bit of a third quarter. Um, maybe we get a field goal, but they, they get, you know, they, they get a couple touchdowns, so it's tied going into the fourth quarter. And uh, there's a bit of a back and forth. Uh, but WSU pulls it out at the end, uh, game-winning field goal, and uh, from our boy Dean Janikowski, and yeah. we come out uh, 34-31 victorious um, in the Sun Bowl. Uh, keep our pristine Sun Bowl record intact, and yes. uh, our keep our Texas bowl game uh, record intact, and, and just get out of there and have a fun end to the season which these guys deserve every bit of um yep so yeah uh 34 31 and uh so we both got we both don't think the cougs are going to cover i guess <laughs> and so <laughs> i i um, don't i i just like i said I, what was I, the over I, under uh way less than what we just predicted uh it was Ooh. 57 i think so pretty Ooh. high pretty high. yeah that's pretty high yeah that'd be like you know like 29 28 or something but yeah, um, I, I suppose the the only thing that might you know really suppress the score more than you and I think is you know okay so you know Central Michigan is a a running team so you know if if they are you know putting together long drives with you know the running attack then yeah that could you know shorten the game and have fewer drives and depress the score so I guess we'll see I I I don't want to relive uh, you know the cheese it bowl from a couple of years ago but no God I think there was like eight total possessions in that game yes. I, eight, I, I, I each don't... team had eight drives i think <laughs> yeah, or we might have had was, seven that was it might have been seven where, for us and eight for them yeah, or something like that I, I think that game it was wsu didn't score on one of their drives and i'm like well it's over we lost like and, yes and it pretty much was like we did yeah i believe like, we scored score on one. five of seven drives or something like that or so, four of seven um, drives or something so in terms of total plays this season now that's not the exact um indication of of uh you know, um, how many possessions and stuff, but, uh, central Michigan did have, you know, more total plays than WSU this year. So maybe they aren't limiting the amount of plays, uh, in a game, uh, too much. And maybe it'll be kind of a standard sort of possessions game that we're used to seeing, which is like around 10. Uh, so, yep. um, hopefully we get that cause you know, no one wants to see these low possession games, but I, I do think no. both offenses can score on both defenses. So we'll probably see some points, uh, which means it's going to be a, uh, uh, 12 to six or something. Um, but yeah. Um, so I got 34, 31, you got 45, 42 and, yeah. uh, bowl game. I'm excited for it at 9am on on New Year's, New Year's Eve. <laughs> I know. We like getting up. I, I mean, you know, I'm used to getting up early. I love watching, that call. I love you know, that European CBS. soccer. So 
you know. CBS College Football music is good too. Gets you pumped up like it's da, Saturday night, da, da, but it's not. Da, 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 da. Right? Exactly. If only Vern right. Lundquist was still calling games, man. If only. Who's calling only. the game? I don't know. I don't know. I don't man. even know. Why don't you don't know? know? We'll probably miss the first quarter because of some college basketball game, too. So. I, 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 I really doubt there is going to be a college basketball game <laughs> that is played earlier than noon, uh, think so? noon Eastern on 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 friday yeah yeah. I, I think we'll be okay this time all right yeah i think, I think that game was a little later in the day <laughs> it, yeah it was i'm trying to remember i think i want to say that game started at noon pacific if i remember right i remember i went up to uh i went up to i went up to our good friend kyle sherwood's house to watch the game so ah. i remember i drove i drove up to old bothell to watch the game i think it was well bothell. i Brooklyn? have i don't know wherever he lives I have Oma canceled all of my plans this this weekend. So all of my New Year's Eve plans have been canceled. So, because um, I don't know if you heard about this thing that just keeps fucking coming back. And we'll this thing, uh, what thing? Yeah. Well, we'll talk, Jeff. I'll fill you in on it <laughs> after the break when we talk about basketball. How about that? Did something happen? Yeah, we'll talk about it after okay. the break. All right. back all right i lied i want to talk about beer first all right okay if you insist <laughs> all right so can. what do you I, I know what you're drinking but uh but you just know what ju- i'm tell drinking. the listeners what you're drinking i am uh having a bourbon county brand stout from goose island uh it's the it's the 2021 um so this is uh, as as goose island will tell you the original bourbon barrel aged stout um, but this, this is, this it is legitimately is man. by the way, it's, they're not fucking with you. <laughs> like it, yeah. it is. <laughs> yes. I do know that. Um, so I bought two, they were, they had them at Costco. First time I've ever seen them at Costco. Um, as you know, I am an avid Costco shopper because I have three boys and they eat lots of food. So, um, so I saw them at Costco, which they, they never have them there. So I grabbed two. Um, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to age one and I decided to drink this one, uh, you know, early and uh yeah really 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 um super excellent lots of vanilla to it um which i love um it is uh definitely not as intense as i expected um which surprised me a little bit i had on christmas day i had um the 2021 b bomb from fremont and that was intense the flavors on that had not mellowed at all um, it was really good, but it was like, it was kind of almost overpowering a little bit. So I also bought two bottles of that. Looking forward to drinking the other one in a couple of years. But, um, yeah, this one is, uh, surprisingly for me, and I don't drink as many of these as, as you have. So you can tell me, is it, is it pretty typical for, for them to be pretty, pretty drinkable right away? Yeah. Um, I haven't had one for many years and we can get into yes. that, but, uh, yeah, I know. um, um, but, uh, 
but yeah, they they're typically one of the more drinkable ones. Um, I I what I remember, they usually have a pretty strong tobacco presence because um, they're a yep. pretty classic stout. Um, yep. I, I'll, I'll say when when you talk about the difference between like B bomb and that, like B bomb is probably just kind of a harsher, hoppier style overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am a bit surprised at, that. Interesting enough, uh, the uh, guy, the guy Matt that runs the uh, Fremont Barrel Age program, um, actually got his start in the uh, Bourbon County program at at interesting uh, at Goose Island. So uh, there is a, a which is not uncommon. Um, um, they were the originators of kind of Bourbon Barrel Age beer uh, and. You know, they've been doing it since I think 2005 was the first one. And I guarantee most of y'all didn't ever even think about probably a bourbon barrel aged beer until about 2015, maybe. So, yeah, um, they were doing them forever. Uh, and they, for many years, were just, you know, super sought out because uh, they were the only one. And then they, they've had just the, ro- the street cred because um, it's interesting um, as many of you probably know, Goose Island uh, in 2012 was purchased by um, Anheuser-Busch InBev, um, which which for many craft beer drinkers is is almost you know it's just like no, we're not buying you anymore because you're like a sellout. Yes. You're not you're independent um, because you know AB InBev does t- tend to kind of take over the uh, uh, the offerings and pick and choose and uh, um, but they have invested quite heavily in that bourbon barrel uh, age program and, and so that has still remained very good um i don't buy them anymore that's i'm like yeah, I'll, I'll i'll spend my bourbon barrel age beer money on some smaller brewery uh but i know they're good that's why i kept buying them for years even though they yeah. they um I, I still i have beer nerds that don't buy any ab and bev stuff but still like will try the bourbon counties every year because it's just like you know it's a thing, you know, they come out on, on th- you know, it comes out on Thanksgiving week and uh, Black Friday, uh, historically has always come out on Black Friday. In the Midwest is still a big crazy thing. They make so much more of it now. Um, uh, but one, kind of, the last year I bought it um, that I remember, and I may have had it other years, but I think the last year I specifically bought that year's vintage was 2015. And that year they had a huge infection issue in almost all of their styles. And, yeah, and there I remember certain dates. We, we, yeah. bro- we broke open some of those. Yep. At your birthday. And we had infection roulette. And actually, interesting enough, like I remember a couple of them tasted fine. Uh, but uh, so, though I had another bottle of that, another couple bottles of that on that same bottling date. And it, we, I, it was like another year or two later. Uh, someone asked if I had any 2015 uh, so I was like, yeah, I try it, you know, I try it. And we opened it up and it was totally soured. And, and so, so Ugh. since, since the 2016 release, um, it's now been pasteurized, uh, so that it, it doesn't. So now when they say eight, you know, changes over five years or whatever, it doesn't change nearly as much anymore because the beer is pasteurized. It kills, they kill everything that could possibly be left, um, it, which does not impact the flavor. Um, it, yeah. it may, it does impact the flavor if you let it sit down for years and it does eliminate the risk of infection and souring. Um, I don't know if you m- remember, do you remember, uh, the kind of on the infected ones, uh, what, what we got that, that day? 
when you were like at, at like my which ones or yeah well like do you remember from the 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 goose island ones like what yeah the, like what what did you remember I, tasting in the back i remember ones? it was yeah like i just remember it smelled kind of funky yeah and like I, I don't I don't remember much else about like like what exactly it tasted like I just remember it tasted kind of weird. Yeah, so I I remember sort of um, a very like you know kind of funky kind of lacto lactobacillus which can have yep, kind yep. of a sour milk uh, aroma a kind of barnyard aroma and then like the barley wine had this uh, uh, this very strong like vinegar to it and so it would they were um but then there was a couple of stouts that probably hadn't been the 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 infection hadn't taken over so they still tasted really good and um that, that's yeah. when i first had my first game of infection roulette which is fun i still have some bottles in my basement that we could play infection roulette another time Jeff. Ooh. um Ooh, but uh goose island fast. bourbon county i knew i was going to talk about it a lot once you <laughs> said it it's such a <laughs> once you saw my picture it's it's it's, it's uh <laughs> I mean, it it's an iconic beer. Like it's in terms of like it yep. is literally one of the most iconic beers there is. Like it it yep. started an entire like industry of bourbon barrel aged stouts and barley wines and stuff. And they have made some truly great ones. And 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 uh, and there's some really good ones this year that, from what I've heard, that they're they're really special edition ones. Um, and it sounds like the classic is just as good as ever. It's it's what yeah. a bourbon barrel yeah, aged stout is supposed. To, it's what it's supposed to be. It, it's a it's a it's a standard setter, um, and and um, it, it's such an iconic beer that that's why I can't even give you shit for it being ABM Bev or whatever. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. Because you know, well, it's, you know, it's if it hadn't been thing. kind of right in front of my face, I probably wouldn't have sought it out. But since it was in front of my face, I was like, you know. Yeah. Oh, and the bottles. 2015 was the first year they used those bottles too. They're much more. They they stand out quite a bit more now with yeah. the little flag yeah. and the. Yeah. But yeah. So, um, yeah. So, uh, Goose Island, Bourbon County. Check it out at yeah. your local Costco. <laughs> local yeah. Costco. Well, yeah. Um, they're not. They're not there anymore. But <laughs> they, they were there for a couple of days. Yeah, I mean, you still get people that. I mean, at Costco, they probably people that came in and bought a case of it. Honestly. Because uh, it's probably. three or four bucks cheaper than at your local yeah. bottle shop. I don't. I don't even uh, think they had a limit on them, to be honest. So, yeah, which was surprising when I saw that. Well, um, you have a barrel aged beer from Chicago. I also have a bourbon barrel aged beer from Chicago. Um, yes. This is from Revolution Brewing in Chicago, who has an excellent barrel aged program as well, um, particularly when it comes to barrel aged barley wines. And uh, I'm having straight jacket uh, barley wine ale aged in bourbon barrels, um, as we like to, as beer nerds like to call it, regular old straight jacket or ROS, ROSJ, uh, because they do have variants. Uh, they have very special, very special old jacket, uh, which I shared with Emma, which you may have gotten a taste of as well when we were at the USC game. Um, that's the one they age for longer, but this is the classic one, which is also just an amazing beer that you can just buy in four packs in, in four pack cans, uh, around, uh, Chicago, um, for several months of the year. Um, this is a pretty hefty one. Uh, they usually would run like 12 to 14%. This one's at 15.8% and it is 
delicious. Um, I've gotten through most of my uh, can here uh, as we've uh, went through this first hour of the podcast, and it is fantastic. Very toasty, a lot of caramel, vanilla, um, a lot of barrel. Uh, you kind of taste the the oak and 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 the bourbon. Um, it, it obviously has a little bit of a burn with the alcohol, uh, but it's still like very drinkable. So well done. Um, if you ever have a chance to get barrel aged barley wines and straight jacket from Revolution, I highly recommend it. Um, Top notch shit. Uh, they know how to make them big, warm beers in the Midwest. It's it, they they need it. That's how they get through the winter. Yep. Um, we're complaining about this. <laughs> Now think about yeah. the same snowstorm and it's twenty degrees cooler. That's the Midwest for like three months. And it sticks around <laughs> for two months instead of yeah. like three days or four days. Exactly. And I love Chicago. Chicago makes a lot of great beer. So today, in honor of our good friend Emma trying to get back to Chicago. <laughs> on, yeah. um, and hopefully she does fingers crossed everyone hopefully by the time you're listening yeah. to this emma is safely back in chicago she did she did um, send us a text to so let her know she let us know she made it to phoenix so yeah so yeah so the, so she's she's out of she's out of uh the snowstorm here now she's got to she go got to out of one. seattle but chicago's, so that's, that's chicago's used to handling that <laughs> yeah but yeah so um let's talk about motherfucking basketball and this time we're not annoyed with another loss to a mid-major team we are annoyed because we should have we were going to record tonight we were going to watch a basketball game yeah Uh, but no we should be watching uh, the game right now the motherfucking c-word covid has come up again covid19 protocols shut wsu down for this game it's going to be rescheduled and so there is no basketball tonight and no basketball for yeah. us to talk about. Yeah. No for so they haven't played in a week and it's going to be at least another week before they play again. So Yeah, uh I you know, I I don't know, man. We we you and I have have talked a ton on this uh on this show about COVID and um, you know, we, we started our show before the pandemic and we have recorded shows all through the pandemic. And, um, one thing, you know, you and I have been fairly consistent on is, you know, that the pandemic is serious and, um, it's not to be trifled with and taken lightly. And, you know, that comes from, uh, you know, a couple of different perspectives. One, one perspective being, you know, that, you know, Amanda, um, you know, your fiance is, is a, uh, you know, is, is a nurse practitioner and, and has spent lots and lots of time around people with COVID and it's pretty shitty. So, um, you know, that is, that's informed a lot of our, of our thinking on this, but, you know, lately for me, um, you know, I, I found myself sort of struggling a little bit more with, um, thinking about how we should be approaching all of this stuff. Um, and, and the emergence of Omicron has, has kind of been the biggest factor in that. Um, this thing appears to be as, as contagious as like, like a common cold in a preschool classroom, like, um, just so like crazy. Um, you know, we went to, we went out with some friends last weekend and, um, went, went out to dinner and then went to a piano bar in Tacoma, 
you know, keys on main and, and, you know, dueling pianos and all that stuff. And we were like, Oh, this is going to be so much fun and very exciting. Uh, and when we went in there, um, you know, there were lots and lots of people without masks and, but we were, you know, stationed in an area where we were sort of not that close to, um, you know, really any other people and just kind of, you know, thinking about it and like, okay, we're okay. And then as you know, the night went on, we were there for a couple hours. Um, as the night went on, more and more people came in, more and more people got close to us. Um, almost really nobody wearing a mask, right? Cause everybody had drinks and, uh, people were just sort of really, really packed in, in front of the pianos. And, uh, as it turned out, lots and lots of people got COVID. Cause we got a phone call <laughs> there was cause we had, you know, the, the location tracking turned on, on our phones. And it turned out that that was a super spreader event because it was just like, this thing is like crazy, crazy, crazy contagious. So, um, you know, I, there's a part of me that just sort of feels like I, I, you know, the, the, not, not to get like, you know, super deep into, you know, pandemic philosophy or anything like that. And, um, you know, I'm sure you have your own thoughts, uh, you know, because of Amanda's profession, but you know, this, this Omicron variant just seems like, like we have just like, what, whatever hope we had of like eliminating spread is gone. And so now it's just sort of a matter of, okay, so what, you know, what can we legitimately do? And I, I, I you know, I don't know that there's much that can be done at this point beyond, um, you know, encouraging people to get vaccinated, encouraging people to get boosted, um, and, and just sort of like reckoning with the fact that everybody is going to come into contact with Omicron. And it's just a, really a matter of whether you are vaccinated or not, um, and whether you're going to be able to, um, you know, fight it off. And, you know, as it turned out, I didn't get COVID from being in that environment. Um, you know, I am vaccinated and boosted. So, you know, I, I assume that that had something to do with it, but, I, you know, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of swinging toward, you know, feeling like that we should be, um, maybe not as strict with, with testing and things like that when it comes to, especially vaccinated people who are asymptomatic. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm really curious on what you think of that and how you feel about that, given, you know, the, the real world implications of, you know, of COVID spread and, and how that, you know, has especially impacted your family. Well, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if I'm exactly aligned with Amanda's thinking on it. Um, she's definitely heard me rant in a similar way to what you just said and and not, you know, shot me down. So um, I, I think for her, uh, for her mental health, having uh, left that position of, of working day in and day out with COVID patients has has kind of put her less on edge. But but, you know, we we've. I I knew several. Obviously, our 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 buddy uh, Michael Preston has been very public with that he caught COVID uh, this week, and so I don't think he would be mad that I shared that because if you look at his yeah. Twitter account, it's yeah. pretty. Uh, um, and then you know a few. You know, I've I've known a few other people, and and this is probably at at the most of any one time of the number of people I've known in my personal yes. life that ha- that have it. And, and I've known more people you know, in the last couple of weeks with COVID than I have in the entire pandemic. But at the same like time, it's been crazy. When, you know, a lot of the people, if, if they're healthy, if they don't have uh, issues like they, they uh, and they're vaccinated, um, they've been OK. Um, and now, I, now we're kind of sounding like the people at the start, but yeah, it's at the, it's, I, I it's, know I I'm totally it, with you. That's what I'm thinking. 
but I hate but sounding like that's that. That's the thing. Like, uh, th- there's still the issue though of there's a, a significant portion of the population is not vaccinated, and and I'll, it's very different from the perspective of someone with uh, children who are under five, and right. and we we can our children cannot be vaccinated yet. Um, for the under two year olds, they had some positive results on the latest vaccine trials for the two to five year olds. It turns out they probably didn't give them a big enough dose. So I'm guessing that vaccine for, you know, two to five year olds is not coming for another six months or something at this point. Yep. And so what we are as parents, we're worried about them you know, all the time. And with every variant, you don't know exactly how it's going to perform, you know, how it's going to impact, uh, your children, you know, maybe the, the, the initial wave didn't, didn't, you know, didn't harm children that much, but we, you know, I, it's still, it's, it's scary. And we've had to cancel plans with people and, and, and all that this week. And, um, you know, I, I was, I was going to go to the, uh, WSU game, but even before it was canceled, I canceled going to that. And, you know, cause it's just, you know, the, 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 the case rates and I know case rates, whatever, uh, people are like, you know, you gotta look at hospitalizations, all that, but you know, just catching it is not something I want to do. Cause I don't want to bring it home to my unvaccinated kids. Um, so for me as a, as an individual, I'm just like, Hey, uh, you know, I'm going to shut it down for a bit. And and yep. try to try to try to be in situations that I feel most comfortable in, and, and the hardest thing with that is is um, saying no to your friends all the time, for um, sure. Which and I'm not like you know you're not judgmental of them for wanting to go do stuff because they did their part. They got vaccinated. They're wearing their masks. Whatever you know, um, they're going to places that check. They're supposed to check. Uh, vaccine cards it's a lot of places don't do it um anyway but right. um but uh they you know they're they're trying to do everything right because god damn we we like dessert like especially all of us that like done everything we're supposed to do like can yep. we just fucking live our lives at some point right like at some point like i don't i don't feel as much sympathy for the people that never tried because they're kind of why we're here right so it's like yes. i don't get i feel that never tried but some of us really tried like we didn't see our friends and family for a long time we 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 didn't we didn't do anything outside of our house we you know and and i kind of like let loose a bit this fall you know i went to all the cougar games and i went to soccer games and 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 honestly that was in an omicron free world and and it, you know i came out fine but i know some other friends that that did catch it and and you know doing all this stuff and over the course of those months and and so like you said it's just kind of like fucking inevitability at this point like we're not getting rid of it it's it's endemic it's it's just part it it is like a a cold or a flu at this point where it's just something that's going to come back and over and over and over again it's probably going to be like a a yearly vaccination like the flu shot that we get for it and and but at the same time it's like from a practical perspective it's like if if okay if if we're like hey we're still we want all of this stuff to keep happening like the basketball games and the football games and everything we probably have to adjust our testing protocols from what they were when we didn't know jack shit about this and and when we didn't have a vaccine Um, because right now you're probably having you know probably miami 
probably Boise State. Probably, you know, I don't know about what's going on with WSU. I we, we can check and we can find out. But, you know, there's a lot of asymptomatic vaccinated people that are testing positive. Um, they're probably maybe only going to be contagious for like a day, like two days. And probably aren't going to be contagious by the time this event that they're playing is rolling around. And we're still just... We're beholden to these, like, I know CDC reduced their uh, number of days, which is good to see, from 10 to 5, where you, you need to quarantine um, with a positive test if you're vaccinated. So that's good. Um, we're making progress, but the sports protocols have not caught up. And no. and, no, and so have. what we're seeing, and, and now with this new, very contagious variant, uh, like, we're just seeing, we're, we're reliving a year ago again and uh and it's and it's frustrating it's like we're in this never-ending cycle but we we just kind of as a society have to adjust unless we just want to keep doing this like cancel like try to have events cancel them try to have events cancel them whatever um you know it it, there's just something that needs to change um i'm not an expert on what needs to change but if we want to pretend like we can still have if we want to like have some deference to the disease uh, while still living our lives, probably need to change the rules just a bit um, for the people that have tried to um, do their best and, and get rid of the, you know, avoid this thing and avoid spreading this thing. Um, Because like, what are, what are we even doing at, at at that point? If if we've gone through all of this and we've tried so hard, uh, like what what are we, what are we doing if we're still canceling uh, football games and basketball games all the time? Which is you know a stupid thing. But if we're gonna have the stupid things, then, then like we we need to have an environment where we can make these things happen. Yeah, that was a rant. I was listening Jesus. to. Yeah, I was listening to. Um slate's hang up and listen podcast which is uh you know if anybody reads slate then you know (laughs) sort of which um which direction on the political spectrum you know those conversations are are going to tend to lean uh Mm -hmm. but they did have a guy from uh the washington post who who has been reporting on the pandemic for you know whatever these last two years um and kind of like just kind of interviewing him because obviously this is you know like all these COVID issues are running rampant through like every sports league at this point. And I, I think the thing that he said that resonated the most now he hit his ultimate conclusion was a little different from mine. Um, he was still sort of advocating for advocating for pretty strict testing policies and things like that. Um, but, but I think the point that he made that I, that I thought was really, you know, salient was the idea that, you know, he, the question he asked was, what are we trying to accomplish? And I think that's the question that's not being asked um, nearly enough right now. And I and I so to the point of people who, you know, are are maybe a little more you know skewed toward the conservative side and are, you know, have, have been sort of over it for however however long at this point. Um, you, I like I'm I'm kind of getting to a point where I kind of like understand how you arrive at that point because, you know. Now, they've obviously been saying this for a year and a half, like, when does it end and when are we going to stop? And obviously, you know, a year and a half ago, that was ridiculous. But, you know, we're almost two years into this thing now and we start we, we have to start really asking that question, like, what's the end game here 
on, on all this stuff. And, you know, is the end game what you said? Is it just endemic and we get a shot every year? And, you know, if that's the case, then that's fine. That's what I'll do. Right. Um, you know, we just we're not asking, I think, that question enough of, of what are we trying to accomplish here? So when we when we test an entire team and, you know, it's this thing with WSU, like the game was canceled, not because of at least as far as we know, not because like the whole team tested positive, but because um, because of COVID protocols, which is sort of code language for some combination of positive tests and contact tracing. Right. So that's why you know, things have been shut down. We probably had a handful, you know, yeah, they, two or they three. very well, they could have like had someone from their dorm have yeah. COVID and, and yeah. a bunch of freshmen or, on the team. Like we're near, you know, I mean, the team just got back from traveling for Christmas. So it's not, it's not crazy to think like they were hanging out with their families and they popped a few positive tests when they came back. And now all of a sudden, okay, that means, you know, five or six other guys that they live with are now close contacts. And so they are now being, you know, quarantined for five days until they, you know, whatever. And it's just sort of like, what are we trying to accomplish with that? Right? Like, like, okay. So when all these rules were established, you know, a year ago or whatever, when sports leagues were, you know, coming back really, really, really starting to come back. Like, you know, we're the idea was to reduce, okay. To eliminate COVID, right? Like that, like that was the goal. We're going to eliminate COVID. We're going to, you know, da, 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 da. we're going to quarantine. We're going to test. We're going to, we're going to suppress it to such a degree that we, we, you know, we, we triumph over this virus that obviously the ship has sailed on that. Like that is obviously not going to happen. Um, you know, we can lay blame wherever, but the reality is that's just not going to happen. So the question is, okay, so how do we navigate a world where this is just part of the deal? And, you know, I feel like the, the, the quote unquote protocols that are in place, you know, where we're testing guys who are asymptomatic and, um, you know, people who are vaccinated and asymptomatic. And if they pop a positive test and they're out for, you know, however many days, people are vaccinated, asymptomatic and not positive. They've just been potentially exposed, you know? Right. And so they have to sit around for five days because they've been exposed. And, I, you know, and I, and I just think like in terms of real world, you know, like not not even sports, but like, you know, people going to their jobs like it, it just it's it seems like that is not a sustainable way for us to move through the world anymore. Um, you know, that maybe we need to just say, OK, look, you know, if you're vaccinated and you're asymptomatic, then you just, you know, like like we would, you know, and, and I, I, I so hate to say this because. Uh, because of all the bad faith arguments that have been made about this uh, over the last, you know, couple of years. But, um, you know, but there is a reality that, you know, with the flu, you know, we sort of move through the world like, hey, you know, if you're not symptomatic, then, you know, you just, you know, you carry on. Right. Um, or if you are symptomatic, not, like no, or if you are symptomatic was, then, and when they, played, yeah, then you uh, stay uh, home South and Dakota State. stay away from people. Right. <laughs> No, I mean, like he played so the game what, and he had chills. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like he, yeah. he was clearly cold play. Like the flu is treated yep. much differently, even though the flu is yep. probably yes. should be treated similarly to how we've been treating COVID, but whatever. Probably. Um, and so it's just like, you know, maybe we should be kind of approaching it in that fashion now, because obviously we're not going to reduce this thing to zero. And so if you are vaccinated um, and, and you are asymptomatic, uh, whether you test positive or not really, you know, we shouldn't be testing people that are not symptomatic and, um, you know, people should just, I, I think to some degree sort of carry on with their lives. And, um, and this is not just a sports thing. Cause I want to watch my sports teams. This is just like a, 
like, like a, like a thing thing, you know what I mean? We were, um, you know, how, how do we, how do we continue to live if this thing is, um, in our lives now every year for the rest of our lives, which I think it probably is, uh, you know, I, we, we can't, we can't keep going like this, you know, it, we just can't. And so, um, you know, I, I hope that sports leagues adjust a little bit. I hope that our, you know, public health messaging adjusts, um, because I, you know, frankly, am ready for, you know, maybe a little more sustainable policy, um, on this sort of thing. Cause, cause what we're doing right now is just, it's, it's not. And we knew when we put all this stuff in a year and a half ago, we knew it wasn't sustainable, right? Like we're like, we can't do this forever, but Hey, it's an emergency. This is how we do it. I mean, we're almost two years in now. Like it's, it's, it's probably time to say, okay, how do we, you know, what's a long-term strategy here? And, and this ain't it, man. Yeah. And, and to be honest, you, you mentioned public health protocols. Like, um, my, uh, my, uh, my oldest daughter's daycare, uh, they they go heavily with what the public health officials tell them. They they're on they're in contact with them every time there's potential exposure. It's all that, and their stuff's been way more lenient than what I've seen out of these sports leagues. <laughs> like we, yeah, like it. They're like, oh, we're okay because they weren't, you know, in the same room or whatever, you know, all that stuff. So like. Um, they're not, you know, they, they're just like, you probably should get tested, but if you're not symptomatic, it's probably fine. Like all this stuff. And, and, um, yeah, it's, it's just crazy. Like it feels like there, there's, there's, there has been movement in other parts of our society, uh, that hasn't happened in, in, in the sports team specifically, while even the people that can come and sit down next to each other and watch the games, have like much more lax rules than what the actual teams right. play in the games like right. have to deal with, uh, which is, is and just oh kind by of the like, way, these are people who are you know twenty ish years old and yeah, in theory, some of the lowest risk people. Yeah, so it's it's at 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 some point we just have to we have to adjust. I, I think we'll slowly get there, but uh, I'm not sure. I, I think we're in for a next couple months of just tons of canceled sporting events. I, I'm, I'm, yeah. you know, WSC is probably going to have a lot of basketball games that are canceled in the next couple months as Omicron runs through the population. Um, so this is going to be interesting to watch. Uh, and uh, hopefully we get to watch some basketball, but hopefully also everyone stays safe. And, uh, and hopefully we're not just doing some of this stuff for the sake of it. And it is, uh, backed by, uh, actual, uh, data. Um, so yeah. Uh, but yeah, I wish we could just talked about basketball, but you yeah. know, here we are, uh, <laughs> talking for 20 minutes about this. Everyone already shut it off at this point. It doesn't matter. They might um, have. but yeah, if you did sit and listen to this and, uh, you love us, uh, what is it? What was the Elizabeth Warren? If Elizabeth Warren had a Coog podcast, um, <laughs> or if uh, uh, women's studies professors had a Coogs podcast, yeah, um, you know, if if, if you lo- enjoyed that, um, uh, please uh, hit subscribe, uh, you know, and give us five stars ratings and leave a nice comment. Um, yeah, any of that. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can email us at podcastvseveryone at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Craig Powers. I think I just got to 1,800 followers. 
today. Woo. It only took me 55,000 tweets and twelve, <laughs> almost 12 years. Congrats to me. Um, Way to go, man. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Jeff... You can follow him at Pod versus Everyone. He at one point had way more followers than that, uh, and just gave up the account. Um, yeah, I was and, dumb enough to do that. Huh? Yeah, yeah, you could have just <laughs> rebranded it. Pod. I should have sold everyone. it or something. Yeah, you made dummy. some money. Gosh, you silly boy. Um, but you can follow him at Pod versus Everyone. Um, if you're interested in the beer I drink and shit, uh, you can follow me at. Craig W. Powers on uh, Instagram. I just did my 12 days or 13 days of Floodland. Actually turned into 14. So I posted for two weeks in a row, which is rare for me. Usually I post like once every two weeks. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So if you like pictures of bottles of beer, let me tell you, my feed is hot right now. And a couple of cute pictures. Hot. Of um, hot. But yeah. So uh, Jeff. Um, with all these fun conversations, uh, hopefully we have a bowl game to watch, and I hope it's great um, <laughs> for the Cougs, of course. Um, That's right. And I and you know, I hope there aren't too many uh, instances of Rob Akey tackling his players in excitement as they run off the field. Uh, I do hope it happens. Bad news for the Cougs. Maybe once. I hope it happens a couple times. I want to see it just for. Just for good, just for all times. All right, man. Well, go Cougs. Go Cougs, Craig. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Get fucking vaccinated, people.